Thank you so much for joining us today and listening to a PCF podcast. We believe listening to the Word of God will change your life. God bless you as you continue listening to this podcast. Do you know, it was January 1980, my first day of high school. I stood at the gate. I didn't know anybody in the school and I didn't know any teachers And I stood there in my oversized uniform that my parents convinced me I would grow into with an absolute knot in my stomach and quivering in the very big shoes, pushed the gate open and started my morning. And we went through class after class, being introduced to various teachers. And as we came up the passageway to this Next lesson was geography. There stood a quite a military type man with a cane under his arm and at the doorway ushering us in and I was absolutely terrified. We sat down and the first thing he told us is before we even get started on lessons next week we are going on a geography tour and my stomach just went from here to the floor. <laughs> I was terrified. So we get on the bus the following week and we travel almost 600 kilometers to Durban to a place where there was no village, no town, no lights out in what we would call the bushveld. And um, put into these little rondavels, which are little mud huts with um, thatch roofs and had our dinner and then we were called outside and they said, right, we want you to all line up. It's dark by this time, very dark. We all line up with our torches and here stands this very military type teacher leading the way. And we go off into the bush to a place where there's an embankment and we all told to line up along the embankment, sit down, lie down, close your eyes and switch your torches off. And then he said, open your eyes. And what we saw was the most magnificent sight in the sky. Now, I am 13, I know what stars are, but these stars looked absolutely amazing. And he talked with such passion about these stars and he said, you know what, there's formations and look over there, there's Orion's belt and there's the southern star. And it was so so intriguing that I, I actually got an appetite for this. I even got my dad to take me to a similar place later on to see Halley's Comet. This teacher, in my anxiety, in my feeling of, ooh, I don't know about all of this. I had to make room for a miracle. I had to make room to actually lie down in grass that could have snakes (laughs) and look at the sky above and let my teacher show me that there are miracles in the sky above. There are miracles available to us. And I want to take you on a little tour today. I want you to sit back, to relax, and to maybe look up. And I want to show you that there are miracles above available to you too. You want to join me on this tour?
Yes, come on, let's go. So the first question I have for you today is, is he passing by or are you making room for a miracle? Is he passing by? There's a text in 2 Kings, you probably know the story quite well, and I'll give you a snippet of it. And it's a story of Elisha meeting the Shunammite woman. Now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shimon, where there was a notable woman and she persuaded him to eat some food. And so it was, as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. And she said to her husband, look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please let us make a small upper room on the wall. And let us put a bed in there for him, and a table and a chair and a lampstand, so that when he comes by, he can stay with us. This Shunammite woman was childless, barren. She needed a miracle. But as long as Elisha was just passing by for a quick bite to eat, she wasn't having any benefits from this man who was a prophet. He was known to have double the anointing of his predecessor. So she convinced her husband, let's build him a room to stay. And this Shunammite woman did receive a miracle. She received her son, but only when he dwelt there. We know a lot about Jesus, don't we? Historically, we know who he is. But he wants so much more from us. He wants a relationship. He doesn't want just popping in for a bite to eat on a Sunday morning or Christmas or Easter. He wants to, you to invite him into your life, to live with you there. Psalm 91 is so clear that it says, those who dwell in the secret place of the Most High God shall have all the... He talks about protection, healing. It's when you dwell there with God that you experience the miracles. So what about you? Could you make room for a miracle to live with you? What about having a conversation all day long with him? You say, that's nuts. No, it's not. I'm washing the dishes and I'm having a chat. I'm driving the car and I'm having a chat. You made room for him to live with you. Why not build him a room in your home where you can worship him? Put that boom bar on specifically, and it's on that playlist, and that's what goes on in your house. Could you, is he passing by this Christmas, or are you making room for a miracle? The second question I have for you today is, what about getting the ceiling off? Take the limits off. Make room for a miracle. Jesus was returning to Capernaum. It's probably in the Bible it's noted as his hometown. Now, Jesus had become quite a popular guy by this stage. And the scholars seem to think that he was going into the house of Simon Peter. And what happens there is quite phenomenal. When Jesus returned to Capernaum, several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. And soon, 
The house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no room, even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head and they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Nothing would stop these guys from making room for a miracle. You know, our minds have been programmed. The best way into a house is through a door at a push through a window, right? But they would not have it. These were not status quo people. They wanted to make sure that they got this man to have his miracle. And a full room was not a limitation to them. They decided, I'm going to strip the roof off their mindset. How are we going to get this man to Jesus? They pushed beyond everything else. They were desperate to see a miracle. Do you know there's a real possibility in your life that you get into a, a mode of status quo, of the norms of life, and how you program to think, well, the supernatural is beyond me. I, I don't think I can have it. This is what the norms of life will tell you. No, it's not for you. The house is full. There's no room for you. But it's not true. We need to stop allowing ourselves from being complacent and just accepting that there is no possibility. You should feel actually provoked to make room for a miracle. I didn't want to settle for a growth in my body. Oh, we'll just have it removed and, and then we'll have it tested and then we'll deal with it then. I'm not going with status quo. You shouldn't be going with status quo. Let's believe God for miracles. Decide to strip back these roof tiles on our heads and our minds, our thinking, and ask God for creative ideas, for wisdom, for ask him for the hidden things. Remember, we talked about it earlier in the year. It said, in Jeremiah, it said to us, call to me. I will answer you. I will show you great and mighty things, fenced in things, hidden things, things that you don't know or recognize or even understand. And he said, if you will come to the feet of Jesus, he will show you those things. But will you make room for a miracle? Do you ever feel like you've exhausted every single normal thing known to man for an answer? Well, this is when you come to him and ask him and make room for that miracle. There must be another way, you say to God. I'm going to take the ceiling off. Take the limits off. I'm going to make room for a miracle. Why? Because the ceiling of our minds can be the lid. Remember Wayne talked about our thinking? Our ceiling of our mind can be a lid, or with God it could be a doorway to your miracle. How about the question of, could you make room for a miracle and see it by faith? Come out of your tent. That's what I had to do on my geography tour. Come out of your tent. Do you know the man Abraham? His story is so loud in the Bible, isn't it? Abraham. 
he got a promise from God, a visitation from God saying, you and your wife are going to have children. You're going to have a nation of children. This is Genesis 12. Oh, but by Genesis 15, Abraham's saying, where are they? I'm getting a little skeptical of God. You haven't come through for me yet. I'm struggling with this. You gave me a promise, but it's not happening. So in Genesis 15, this is what God visits Abraham in a vision. And he says to him, Abraham, in a vision, he says, Don't be afraid, Abraham. I'm your shield. I'm your exceeding great reward. And Abraham said, Lord, what will you give me, seeing I go childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. That's his servant. His heir is his servant. Then Abraham said, look, you've given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. Then the Lord took Abraham outside and said to him, I want you to look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. And that's how many descendants you will have. In his response to being so frustrated, and I think we're a little bit like this, he takes God out of the supernatural, brings him down to this earth and says, look God, this is the air you've given me. I can't see any of the kids that you've promised me. Aren't we a little bit like that? Taking God out of his supernatural realm and trying to push him into our natural realm? Saying he can't deliver the promise? Well, God responds and says to Abraham, I need you to get out of this tent and have some eyes of faith. See things by faith. Make room for a miracle and start seeing things. It's only just a few verses later that you'll see where God and Abraham are now going to make covenant. And I want you to look at these phrases really carefully, bearing in mind that God has said to him to come out of his tent and count the stars. Look at what this says, Genesis 12, 15, 12, and 17. They're about to cut covenant, and it says, Now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abraham. And it came to pass when the sun went down that it was dark, and behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between the pieces. That's interesting, isn't it? I assumed that it was nighttime when God called Abram out of his tent to look into the sky. But could it be, could it be possible that Abram was asked to come out of his tent and look in the daytime or at least early morning? God's told him to come out of his tent and look up in the, at the stars in the daytime. Is God having a laugh? <laughs> you asking me to count stars when the sky could be blue? But he was asking Abraham to see life with the eyes of faith. That behind this blue curtain, I don't know what your blue curtain is. There are stars. There's you and me that are the descendants of Abraham. He just had to see it by faith that he would have that child. That he would have nations like us born again do we need to get out of our natural tent do we need to look beyond the blue of the sky the problem and say god i believe your word 
I believe there are stars. I believe there are miracles. I see them with the eyes of faith. Get out of that natural tent. Get that promise out. He had to believe that God would give him children. What's your promise? What are you going to look at again? Imagine it. Meditate on it. See it. Count it. Believe it. Imagine it. See the impossible. That vast realm that I'm trying to show you today, like my geography tour. Could you just look up and imagine the miracles Make room for a miracle. Why don't you get out of your natural and see it by faith? There's a, a guy I want to talk to you about today. You might know him. His name's Elisha Graves Otis. Anybody heard of him? Well, for the moment, we'll call him Mr. Otis. He was... <laughs> He was, in, in 1854, he was an inventor, an American industrialist, and he wanted to de demonstrate what he had discovered. So he went to a place in America which is called the Crystal Palace Exhibition Center, and he rigged up what is, was like a fake elevator, and he had a person at the top of the elevator, here's a picture of it, he had a person at the top of the elevator hoisting up the rope, and then when they got to almost to the top, he had the guy cut the rope, and the audience gasped because they expected this elevator to crash to the ground and break in pieces and kill Mr. Otis, but he had developed this elevator break. Mr. Otis cut the rope on Plan B Living, and when they cut the rope, this exploded across the world. That The real estate industry exploded because no longer did we have to have single-story buildings. Because of his invention, we could have multi-story buildings. And if you have a look at some of the elevators still today, they're called Otis after him. You'll see the Eiffel Tower has one of his, the Empire State Building, Borj, which is in Dubai, which 2010 was still the tallest building. He changed the world because he decided to cut the rope on Plan B living. What about us? Are we prepared to cut the rope on Plan B living and and make room for a miracle. What does Plan B living mean? Well, Paul experienced this. Paul was in Acts 27. He was put on a ship to go and meet Caesar as a prisoner. But the ship hit terrible weather. Horrendous weather. They were 14 days, in fact, in such storm that the boat was going to be broken up. They tried everything. They threw cargo out. They put wrapped ropes around it. They pulled in um, the sails. They threw out the anchors. They pulled in the lifeboat. They tried every humanly possible thing in the natural to save themselves. But then 
it talks about in Acts 27, 21, where Paul had a visitation from the angel of God. And the angel of God said to him, Paul, you will go to Caesar. And the people in this lifeboat that are sailing with you, if they stay with you, they will be saved. And he believed the word of God. And he cut the rope on plan B living and believed God. It got really tough at one stage with this ship going to be smashed on the rocks. They put down a rope and they checked how deep was the water. And it was only 120 feet deep. So they were terrified. And they said, well, what we need to do is just throw out the anchors and we'll hope for the best. Well, look at what happened. You see, some sailors were not interested in Plan B living. It says the sailors tried to abandon the ship. They lowered the lifeboat. And this is interesting. They lowered the lifeboat as though they were going to put anchors from the front of the ship. The New King James says, the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship when they let down the skiff into the sea under pretense of putting out anchors from the pro. And Paul said to the commanding officers and the sailors, you will die unless the sailors stay aboard. And so the sailors cut the ropes to the lifeboat and let it drift away. They cut the rope and made room for a miracle. They had to believe God. And yes, it was rough. And yes, the ship did get broken up. And they had to grab pieces of driftwood and say, get themselves to shore. But there was a, a revival that broke out on that island. Because they cut the rope on Plan B living. They escaped. Nobody lost their lives. Are we able to trust God's word without a doubt? Even in the time of a threat of death, can you trust God's word? Can you cut the rope on unbelief, doubt, fear, God not thinking God's not going to come through for me on this? Can we cut the rope on that? Can we trust his word and make room for a miracle? You know, trusting God's word doesn't mean that we won't face challenge and shipwreck. This is proof of the pudding, isn't it? But none of them lost their lives. Peter and his disciples, they were going to have a shipwreck moment in their business. They toiled all night. They fished all night. They caught nothing. You might be working in your business, toiling, can't get, not get enough sleep, working so hard, just trying to make ends meet. And Jesus said to him, I tell you what, why don't you put your rope on the other side? And this is what Simon said, Master, we've toiled all night. We've caught nothing. But nevertheless, at your word, we'll let down the net. And when they'd done this, they caught a great number of fish and the net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in other boats to come help. And they came and they filled both the boats. As if, and they were going to sink. There was that much of a catch. 
But they cut the rope on their plan B living and said, nevertheless, at your word. The disciples have been toiling in their own strength. Some of us have been toiling, toiling, toiling. But there's a word from God. If you would trust his word, you make room for a miracle. It's nevertheless when you trust Jesus. Jesus' invitation led, led Peter to be a minister of the gospel. In fact, he left everything and followed Jesus, didn't he? He left even his business behind. He cut the rope on plan B living and said, I'm going to follow Jesus. What do you need to stop working at in your own strength, toiling all night with little results? What word has Jesus given you that you should trust and say, it'll never be less? Follow him and he will make provision for you. You need to make room, cut the rope on the plan B, and trust God. Would you, would you decide to make room for a miracle? I've taken you on a little tour, and I've shown you miracles and how you could have them. I've taken you like my geography teacher, and I've, I've shown you the stars. But I'm asking you, would you get an appetite like I did? And I want to now not just see the stars, I want to see Halley's Comet because I know there's something more beyond the stars. Would you make room for a miracle? Question I leave with you as a recap. Is there room in your life for Jesus or is he just passing by? Can you take the limits of your thinking like those men who stripped open the roof and allow God to show you a new way? Can you see it by faith? Can you come out of your natural tent and see with the eyes of faith what God has given you? And can you cut the rope on your plan B living and trust God at his word? Why don't you make room for a miracle. Amen. We're going to worship the Lord. And you can think about what I've said. And Perhaps the best place to start is let's stand. And why don't you imagine the promise that God has dropped in your heart? Lift up your eyes. I'm not talking your normal eyes, not your physical eyes, your heart eyes. Lift them up. Come out of the tent for a moment and see what God has for you. Remember the promise. He's true to his word. Amen. Amen.